Amen. Praise God. Let's just turn in our Bibles to um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, from verse 1. Can I just say that I have preached on this in a way before, but this is really a very important message. It's a key. It's a key to life abundant. Amen. And that's what church is about. Bringing you and me to a place where we can enjoy the fullness of God. Amen. This is read. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Yeshua, he sent elders, that's the centurion, of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Yeshua, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Yeshua went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Yeshua heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. We just pray that we receive this message with humble hearts and that we would allow it to work in our lives. We come against every force of darkness that would want to prevent this message from reaching those that you intended it for. And we pray that this message will go far and wide, Lord, and bring light to all who hear it. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Now there's two accounts of this uh, story in the Bible. The one is in Matthew and it implies that the centurion himself went. I don't want to get into debate about that and use that to say, oh, the Bible isn't true. But the point is this, that this centurion picked up on something. And if we can learn this lesson from him, we can pick up on the same thing and see the blessing of God. Can you all say amen? God wants to bless us. Amen. Church is about God blessing us. Now, the title of this message is Divine Authority. Divine Authority. And I need to just explain that one of the devil's big tactics to destroy the church and to destroy people is to give false impressions. Alright? He gives false impressions. Standard procedure. People have a preconceived idea that prevents them from understanding something and thereby prevents them from enjoying it. The blessing. Amen. I can give you a number of examples. The church for a start. What kept me from church and from God was church. Can you believe it? Let me explain. I was in a religious setting in a Christian school, so to speak, and we had church. We had plenty of church. As I've always said, plenty of church. But there was no connection I discovered between that church and the real living God. And because of that church and what I saw there, I actually 
despise Christianity. Can you believe that? I despise Christianity. But I was ignorant. Do you understand? I was completely ignorant. And the devil was laughing. And he laughs with so many people. Why? They've got a concept of church that has got nothing to do with the truth. You see? And the point is that real church is a blessing. It's a great blessing. If you and I understand it, you don't want to stay away. Because if you realize what church can do, real church, the living God in our presence, what it actually is, you understand your whole approach changes. You see, and that's our challenge here. We challenge to break down this false understanding of what church is. I've had it so many times. We don't go to church. We don't want to go to church. The church did this, the church did that. But they don't know what church is supposed to be. And that's what we're trying to do here as best we can is to present church the way God wants it to be presented, the way it was designed. All described, by the way, in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And you see, it's amazing to me that you try and explain these things and people get so upset about it. Meanwhile, all you're doing is trying to describe what God has already said. He's given us the blueprint. If you read this with the eye of understanding and the Holy Spirit, you realize how much life there is in church. Another example is marriage. The world system has worked overtime to give such a bad impression about marriage. To the extent a lot of people say, I'm not going to get married. A lot of young people say, oh, we're not going to get married. Why? They haven't got a cooking clue of what marriage is really about. The absolute beauty of it. The way God designed it. If you understand that, you would want to do nothing else but to be properly married by God. If you understand what I'm saying. You see, concepts. All the time the devil puts out false concepts. And what happens? We live with a false understanding. And because of that, we denied the blessing. Amen. So you see, very often in teaching the truth of God, what we have to do before we explain the reality, the truth, we have to break down the false concept. You will understand. It's like a process. You know, I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking about church, and I'm thinking of something, and the other person thinking of something completely different. We're not on the same page. You see? The first job is to try and break down the misconception about church. You understand? And the same with divine authority. Divine authority, can I just explain, is something that is extremely, extremely powerful. It's the key to power in your and my lives. The key to the anointing, the power of God flowing through us. But what has the devil done? Let me tell you what he's done. He's given people a false understanding of authority. Amen? Let me tell you, there's a world concept of authority. And you see, when people are confronted with the world's idea of authority, people naturally rebel. That's the characteristic of our age. This age in which we live is an age of rebellion. At heart, it's an age of rebellion. It's in everything. Wherever you go, there's rebellion. And what is rebellion? Kicking against authority. And very often, you see, you can understand why people kick against authority. I've shared this before, but Ruth and I were talking to a young man and we're talking about the things of God and I just happened to ask him, what church do you go to? Do you go to church, you see? I'm interested in these things. He turned around and said, I don't go to any church. I said, that's fine, but why? You know? And these are his very words. He said, I won't 
have anybody tell me what to do. I won't have anybody tell me what to do. Can you see the problem here? What was his understanding? Church is a place where authority tells you what to do. Amen? And because of that, he didn't want anything to do with it because he wanted to live his own life. Quite understandably. What did the devil lie to him about? False understanding of divine authority. You see? It's not about telling anybody what to do. Amen. Amen. Do I tell everybody what to do? It would be lovely. <laughs> you will be. You will. You will. You know? <laughs> Sometimes you do. Now you see, now you see, Sharon, you touched on a very good point. Sometimes I do, but it's only when the person gives me permission to do it. You see, that young man, can I tell you the honest truth? If he really wanted to make a go of life, and he had big problems, let me tell you. Big problems, not his fault. And he was doing very well in the circumstances. He was trying to be a father and a mother to his younger brother. I mean, that's a terrible situation. But can I tell you what the best thing would have been for him? To find somebody to tell him what to do. You understand? A godly person to help him go through what he was going through and make it through. Amen? Do you understand? That would have actually helped him. But the devil put in his mind, I won't have anything to do with it. And he's going to try and solve all those problems on his own. Let me tell you something. Maturity comes to a place when you and I realize we can't do things on our own. Amen? Doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. But you see, we need this balance. And if we understand divine authority, it can help us. It can help us. Now, what I need to say is that divine authority is contrasted with worldly authority. You see, world authority is about control. Amen? Because I'm in authority, I'm the boss, I will tell you what to do. And in our heart of hearts, because God designed us to rule and reign, it's human nature to want to control. Has anybody discovered that? It's a rhetorical question. We all know what I'm talking about. Now, it's not a bad thing to rule and reign, but ruling and reigning God's way is not controlling anybody. Do you understand? God, I've discovered, and this is our example, is a perfect gentleman. Did you know that? He's a perfect gentleman. He never, ever tells you to get saved. Amen? He never told me, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He never told me that you have to go to church. He never told me anything. You might be surprised at that. You might say, well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Yes, it does, but you must understand the character of God. He says, Graham, you need to get saved. This is how you do it. But the choice is where? You. Why? If I don't make the choice, I can't get saved. Did you know that? I can't do it. That's why you say to people, well, this is, you know, a confirmation process. You go through the process and now you're fine. You're not fine. I went through the confirmation process in the school I was at. You could opt for confirmation classes. I opted for confirmation classes on the advice of my brother. Because I said to him, do you think I should do this? I didn't have a clue what it was about, really. No spiritual understanding whatsoever. And for that matter, the person who was giving the confirmation classes, 
I realize now, was totally spiritually dead. But anyway, I asked my brother and he said, listen, Graham, if you do confirmation classes on Sunday, it will save you having to walk all the way to church in town. I'm serious. You see, because at that school we had a lovely chapel on the premises. Every morning we had chapel, chapel, chapel. Saturday was your day off. But that's when you worshipped on the rugby field or the cricket field, one of the two, but you had to. So it wasn't a day off. But you thought you had a day off from church on Saturday. No, 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 they caught you. On Sunday, you go to your church, whatever it may be, in town, you walk in a crocodile, you know what a crocodile is? And this was a real gauntlet because on the way there was Wayne's Bakery. Oh my soul. Oh my soul. You know what hell it is for a schoolboy to walk past a bakery? And the only money you've got is your collection money in your pocket and you have to weigh up the odds between having a nice cream bun and a sore bum. <laughs> that was church. And you know, I was saved that because I could go to confirmation classes that took place in chapel in the morning. See, so I saved myself a walk. Is that the right reason to have confirmation classes? <laughs> Is that the right reason? And then comes confirmation day. Oh my soul. And you go to the front and you kneel there and everybody thought, you know, looking at me the way I took the wine, he's experienced. <laughs> Complete hypocrisy. But to me it meant nothing. Was I confirmed after that as far as God was concerned? No. What I'm trying to get at is, you see, when we have false understanding, it robs us of the blessing. Amen? That was my concept. And you see, we've got to understand that divine authority is a beautiful concept that brings life, if treated correctly. Can you all say amen? Amen. The world system demands, demands. I must say they gave me a choice to be confirmed, but at the end of the day, if you wanted to go the route, you know, you had to do it sort of thing. They didn't explain anything properly to us. What I'm trying to say is we have to understand what divine authority is. But let's contrast it with worldly authority. I'd like us to read another scripture here. Let's go to 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4, chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading from 1 to 4. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion. You see, you're not forced to do it, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Now listen to this, not as being lords over those entrusted to you. Do you see that? Not as lords over those, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now you see, worldly authority operates on the basis of command and control. You see, that's how it works. And you see, if you work for somebody, he can command you to do something. Why? Because you're paid. If you don't do it, you don't get paid. So you are forced, you're compelled to do it. I mean, that's how it works. You see, the world system knows that. And everybody's striving to get up the ladder so they can have more control over people. You see? Now, along comes the kingdom of heaven, and it's completely different. Amen? We've got to grasp this. The danger is that the world system authority has crept into the church. I've been in that, where the pastor feels he's got the right to command and tell you what to do all the time. Amen? Now, you see, the problem with that is that it brings death. It does not bring life. Because, you see, where there's control, there's no freedom. There's no liberty. 
if any of us have been in a situation, and we have on occasions where you're in a controlling situation like that, you'll know how stifling it is to your and my creativity. Amen? We're not free to experiment. We're not free to be ourselves, as it were. Amen. Steve, must I, must I? We are regimented. You see? And the moment people are regimented, they begin to operate in a false way. I'll share with you, when I was at a school teaching, we had a headmaster who was very good at lording it over people. He was a very forceful personality. And a lot of the teachers lived in fear of him. I'll be very honest. They lived in fear of him. So you see, the school actually ran like clockwork. It worked very well, actually. And everything happened. But I noticed something. Everything happened until the headmaster decided to bunk and go and play golf, which he did on occasions. When he did that, you know what I noticed? Those who were operating under fear, they also started to duck and dive. Do you understand? But there were a few teachers, and I'm happy to say I was one of them, who weren't there because of fear. We were there because of our calling and our commitment. And you could see those teachers kept going irrespective. It didn't bother them whether he was there or not. Can you see that? Now, when we're talking about divine authority, we're talking about authority that God gives, all right? But the way he exercises it is he never forces anything. Amen? And you see, what we've got to grasp is that divine authority, if we understand it correctly and we approach it correctly, it will work for us. Amen? It will work for us. All the things of God, if we approach them correctly, they will work for us. God has created in this world a whole system of systems, if I can call it that. He came and he created a system whereby the world would just recreate itself, in a sense. You see? People will reproduce, the trees will reproduce. He created a system. The world, and the spiritual world as well, operates on a whole lot of systems. Cogs, wheels within wheels. Amen? Now, for that system to work for us, we have to do two things. Number one, we have to understand it. That's what the Bible means when it speaks about understanding. There's a difference between knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Right? Understanding is knowing how the system works. You see? Now, the moment you now understand how the system works, we are now positioned to get it to work for us. If we don't understand how the system works, let me tell you, the enemy will make sure that his people will use the system against us. Can you see that? Let's take, for example, the system of gravity. That system operates. It doesn't matter whether you're good, bad, indifferent. It operates. Right? Now, if you and I understand it, we can get it to work for us. We can pull the water. You understand? Mankind grasped a few systems and because of that was able to put a metal object or wooden object to start off with in the air, create aircraft, because of the various systems that have always been in place. Amen? What was the difference? Why didn't Christ jet around? Why did he not jet around? Jets hadn't been invented. Why hadn't jets been invented? The systems were there, but mankind hadn't tapped into the systems and got them to work for us. Can you all see this? Very important. You see? So when we come to God and understand his systems, we are positioned to get it to work for us. That's exactly what that centurion did. Instinctively, he understood something. 
He understood this concept of divine authority. Obviously, from his training as a soldier, he realized something. The whole Roman army works on this basis of divine, or not divine necessarily, but authority, authority structures. He was a centurion, by definition, somebody who is responsible for 100 soldiers. Okay, that's a centurion, centurion being 100. So he's in charge of 100 people. And he knew from experience that as a commander of 100 people, he tells people to do something, and the whole system works only if they obey. And you see that it will only work if they say, okay, you're the centurion, I'll do it. In the same way, you recognize something. Here comes this man that he's heard of, and he recognizes authority. But he sees that it's much greater. He had the perception. This amazed the Lord. He wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't even a Jew. He understood this instinctively. He recognized that this was authority. And this authority was not man's authority. It was God's authority. Can you see that? And because he understood it, he was able to tap into it. And what happened? He got his servant healed. Amen? And the Lord said, this is amazing. He was almost gobsmacked that a non-Israelite would understand this. And he said, your faith is exceptional. I haven't found it. But you see, how was his faith expressed? Understanding the power of God and divine authority. And because he tapped into that system, even as somebody that was outside the system, he was able to reap the blessing. Throughout the ministry of Christ, you'll see people who tapped into this understanding of who he was and faith in him, they received the blessing. So you see, what I'm encouraging us to understand is that we've got to embrace divine authority. Alright? But you see, there's two things to do. The first thing is we have to recognize it. I mean, very important to recognize divine authority. See? And once we've recognized it, if we want to have the benefit of it, the next thing to do is to submit to it. Amen? Submit to it. You recognize this is authority from God. I need to just submit to it. And the moment we do that, guess what? We reap tremendous blessing. Can I tell you what the opposite is? Number one, being totally ignorant of divine authority. Bumbling along, hitting our heads against the wall, making terrible mistakes, messing up our lives, going on all the time. And the next phase is knowing what divine authority is, but rebelling against it. You see? See, my encouragement to us is to recognize what it is. Right? And please, the whole point is that we've got to be very cautious because it's so easy for worldly authority to creep into the system which should be operating according to divine authority. Amen? We have to discern. Now you see, divine authority operates on this basis. Nobody tells anybody what to do. But we should recognize it and willingly submit. You see? Can I just say something? If we do not willingly submit, divine authority doesn't do anything. The one vested with authority doesn't command, should not command or demand. They can't. They have to humbly allow people to make their own choice. Amen? As a result of that, what you and I sow, we reap, you see. Look at Moses. I mean, he was confronted with the rebellion of the sons of Korah. All the other priests were given wagons to carry their goods and chattels. 
but not the sons of Korah. They had to carry the ark through the desert on their shoulders. That was God's ordinance. And eventually a third of them got fed up. <laughs> I hate to think what my reaction would have been after a few months in the wilderness carrying the ark. I think I'd probably also got a bit beefed by this. So everybody's got a trolley to carry their goods, all the stuff for the temple, but you know, you carry this heavy ark. I mean, dear God. A third of them got very upset with Moses. They got very grumpy. Did Moses castigate them? No, he said, that's fine. Went and spoke to God about it. Guess what God did? Opened the earth. Swallowed them up. You see, that's in a sense a pattern. Now, divine authority is here, whether we like it or not, but we should like it. Identify it and submit to it. Make it easy, as the Bible says, for those who've been invested with it. You see, make it easy. When I start to owe my soul, the poor pastor that I first had, he got a rebellious sheep on board, you know, my soul. I wasn't surprised when he left town. <laughs> I wasn't surprised. And I had a good suspicion why. I didn't make it easy for him. I knew it all. Terrible. Terrible. But you see, I had to learn something. You respect authority and you submit. You make it easy for them. You see, and please, this is the pattern in the Bible. Remember when Solomon died, there was a power passing on to Rehoboam. The people of Israel came to him and they said, look, you know, your father was very hard on us. So please, you know, reconsider and change our terms of operation. And Rehoboam went to the elders and he asked the elderly counselors, he said, what must I do? And this is where they words to him, basically. They said, if you listen to them and you cooperate with them, they will love you and they will serve you forever. Can you see that? That's a pattern of divine authority. He's got the authority, but he doesn't rule it over them. He just tries to accommodate them. We've talked about this before. And the wise counsel said, if you do that, if you operate on the basis of consensus and agreement, then they will serve you. They'll love you and they will serve you. They'll be happy to serve you. Then he went to the young counselors and they said, no, you must crack the whip, basically. That's old fashioned, the new style, rule it over them. Guess whose advice he took? It was of God, basically. He took the young people's advice and he said to the people, they came back after three days, he said, he's going to make it much harder for them. And he did. And guess what they did? Guess what they did? They rebelled and that split Israel and Judah in half. So what I'm trying to get at is, you see, he operated in worldly authority, not divine authority. Can you see that? And as a result, the people suffered. You see, and this is the same with us. Now, please, let's just understand what divine authority is. In any gathering or situation, it's important for there to be some form of structure. Do you understand? The irony is, where there's structure, there's liberty. See, the Bible says, where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. But it also says, let everything be done in order. Now, we've got to understand, the two actually go together. If there's authority structure, which is done according to the Word of God, it brings liberty. Let me explain it like this. When you and I, for example, are in our services and we want to move with the Holy Spirit, I'm sure every one of us wants to move with the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you that sometimes when we do get into the spiritual world, it's quite hair-raising at times. I mean, I've been in service, people crawling on the floor, roaring like a lion and, you know, laughing uncontrollably and rolling around and all this sort of stuff, okay? And we're open to all of it because it's very important to be free for the Spirit to move. However, 
Please understand something. If you and I do not have in our midst divine authority, we do not recognize it, that sort of service, the devil can actually take it over. Did you know that? And people end up doing very weird things which are not of God. You see? So what is the divine authority? In a sense, it's recognition that somebody is responsible. Does everybody understand? Somebody is responsible. As long as there's somebody in our midst who's responsible, then what happens? We have the liberty to explore. Does that make sense? We can go for it, you see. But there's somebody there that if God tells them, somebody that God can tell, no, that's just overboard, stop. That's the enemy trying to edge you off. Somebody can say, no, let's stop, and we'll say, okay, it's fine, we'll move on. Do you know that Pastor Ed actually was responsible for introducing revival into South Africa, basically, to the traditional church, the charismatic revival? He opened it up for specifically the Baptists when he was a Baptist pastor. There was a stage when this whole move of the Spirit had come to the church, and he himself had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or so he thought. Yet, the people that were having these meetings in the church they asked him to please be there and just to oversee the meeting. I mean, now you understand what's going on here. Because he was there as the authority, he was open to these things, it brought such assurance people could move out. You understand? It's like if you're going to something that's very unusual to you, it's good to have somebody there who can just learn to keep things in order. And he used to say, because Hatfield opened up to the vineyard ministry. It was the holy laughter, quite raising in a way for the natural mind. But he opened the church up to it. And he used to say this. He said, when things were happening in this big congregation, things that, in a sense, to the natural mind were rather weird, okay? He noticed everybody would just always look at him, standing on the stage. Can you see that? They were, in a sense, being challenged with something that is new. but. Because they had somebody, they recognized divine authority. If it's okay with him, it's okay. Can you see that? In other words, that divine authority works for us. Amen? But if we have an attitude, oh, well, who's he? We're going to do it anyway. Uh, we don't care, you know. That's rebellion, actually. It's rebellion. And that opens the door for you and I to be deceived. Do you know that? I don't care how clever or spiritual you and I are myself included, all of us are able to be deceived. It's quite possible. In fact, the more advanced you and I are spiritually, the greater the danger of being deceived. That's why Janet and I, we understand this, we seek out divine authority all the time. It's not just one person, it's a collection of people that are in our lives that we spend time with. Not that we go and ask them, check us out or anything like that, but they are there and we respect them. Amen? Why? Divine authority. We respect it. Get it to work for us. We are doing things here that not many churches do. I'm not saying that we arrived yet, but all the time, what have we got in the background? Divine authority. And the point is, you cannot enforce it. You cannot, and that's our human nature. We want to enforce divine authority. Oh, I'm the pastor. Now you must do what I say. I've learned something. You can't do that. Do you know that? You cannot do that. They might do what you say, but they're doing it with the wrong motive, and then it's a mess. Many things I'd like to see happen, but I can't tell people, let's do it. You must do it. Why? Then it's done with the wrong motive, you see. And if it isn't done because people have the right motive, it's not going to get done. 
I'd rather that than have a system where you now all feel compelled to do stuff. I know churches where the elders are ruled like children, actually. They dare not not come to church. They dare not dress in a certain way when they come to church. They have to be there early. They must set an example, blah, 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 blah. And the people are basically in a straitjacket. There's no liberty, no freedom. Amen? You see, and that's not biblical, really. Now, some people argue that, but I don't see it that way. What do we want? We want an understanding of divine authority in our lives. Amen? In the marriage, did you know that? God has instituted in marriage a system of divine authority. The husband is supposed to be head of the household. But you see, you can't enforce your headship as a husband. You can't. I mean, because then what happens? Your wife and family become slaves. It's happened. Let me tell you, it happens all the time. You feel like you're a slave in the house, your very own home. People run away from home because of that. Are you hearing me? You see, but now to get it to work for us, what do we have to do? Recognize that the husband is the head of the home, defer to his authority in things of importance, family matters, and even if he's wrong, because we're submitting to the authority according to God, it'll all pan out in the end. Did you know that? Because it's divine authority. God himself will undertake. Are you hearing me? Same with the government. We have to recognize the government of our land is, in a sense, the divine authority to rule the country. Of course, it's to a point. Okay? As soon as they start to try and get you and I to do things contrary to the word of God, that's when you stand up and say, no, we're under divine authority before your authority. That's what the apostles did. They said to them, do not preach in that name. They got together and said, let's preach in the name. <laughs> we serve God more than we serve man. You understand? But you see, before that happens, we are required to respect the authority in our land. God does not bless us if we have a rebellious attitude towards our government. We say it's a bad government, so we will rebel against them. We will not pay tax. We will not do this. We will do whatever we want to do, and they're not worthy. Making a big mistake. We will rob ourselves of a blessing. Let me tell you, submit to divine authority, God will bless us. And the truth of the matter is, the more we submit to authority, the more authority we have. Can you all say amen? The more we are prepared to willingly submit to authority, the more authority we will have. Can you see that? Because why? We are now tapping into the chain of command. You see that? We are now in the power grid, as it were. That's what it is. All these electrical appliances here work because what? We have power in the house. If we cut off the power from the house, you can switch that switch up and down as much as you like. It's not going to work. You see? And if you and I are in rebellion to divine authority, we pray for the sick and nothing happens. We pray all the right prayers. We spit all over them. We do everything we can. We bring in the oil. We anoint. We smack. We do it all. Not going to work. Why? You're not under authority yourself. You will have no authority. And you see, this authority is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's not outward. It's inward. Submission to authority is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's an attitude in our heart. And there's something as Christians, it runs completely contrary to the world system. The spirit of our age is rebellion. You see? Rebellion. Which is as the sin of witchcraft. That's why the country's in such a mess. The world's in such a mess. But you see, what does it take? Christians to recognize authority, respect authority, and to submit to it. 
as we do that, we tap into that, we can expect authority in our lives. And please understand something. We don't, and this is so important to grasp, we're not submitting to a human being because human beings are fallible. You see? Fallible. We're not submitting to the human being. We're submitting to the anointing in their life. Does that make sense? I'm standing here. I'm responsible for the meeting here. Does that mean I'm the most spiritual man on the earth? Not at all. But that's irrelevant. For this moment, I'm now responsible, you see. So if God wants to speak to us as a congregation in the direction we want to go, who is he going to speak to? He can speak through others, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to discern, this is God, have you moved with it? Amen? And if you and I are busy with a ministry of any sort, the recommendation is to recognize divine authority. Know the authority structure under which the ministry that you're involved with comes. Recognize it, you see. And because you do that, guess what? You can enjoy the authority of God. But you and I go off on our own and do our own thing, what will happen? Might go very well for a while, might do all the right stuff, but there'll be no power. No power. I mean, no power. We're in submission to a lot of people. Not that any one of them we regard as super spiritual. They are spiritual people, yes. They've got a lot of experience, yes. They've been through a lot, yes. And some of them have belief systems that we don't necessarily agree with. I'll share this with you. We had a pastor's fraternal meeting. That was very soon after I've been very ill. And this was in the Baptist church. Now, for your information, Jan and I have been kicked out of a Baptist church because of our belief in divine healing. So it's not like Baptists and I, in general, on the same wavelength. Let's put it that way. But we're in the Baptist church, and the Baptist pastor, listen to this, in the middle of our meeting, because on that occasion I did share what I'd been through, he went and got anointing oil. They were gathered around me. He anointed me with oil. Nobody asked him to. He did it. And can I just tell you something? Because we respect divine authority, we were in his church, and he did that as inspired by the Holy Spirit. We received that. We received that, and I believe it played a big role in my healing process. Amen? Does everybody understand? It's not because I subscribe to his teachings necessarily. And I think if he knew what I taught, he'd probably have sleepless nights to think that he fellowshiped with us. No, no, I'm just joking. It doesn't matter. Because on that occasion, we sensed what? Divine? God's authority in that situation, and we submitted to it. I didn't say, no, no, I don't want you praying for me. You faithless child of the living God. I wouldn't say that. You understand? Even though our teachings on faith are very different. didn't bother me. This was an occasion where we could submit to divine authority. And we're learning to do that. Amen? All the time. So please be encouraged. In every situation, recognize. Have an eye for what is divine authority. Amen? Realize that divine authority doesn't rule it over everybody but it automatically commands respect. Did you know that? You just know. You sense it. I mean, you just sense it. And when you sense that divine authority, submit to it. Submit to it. Don't, in a sense, become a slave to it. Not at all. But submit to it. Allow that authority to actually impact your life and my life. Amen. Allow it. What people say, sometimes without even realizing it. The high priest, he made that statement, one has to die for many. 
speaking about Christ. He didn't have a clue what he was saying, but because he was the high priest, he spoke prophetically, one has to die for many. He didn't know that Christ had come to die for all of the world. He had no clue about that. But as high priest, he had a divine authority, and he spoke the words of God. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. Do you know that? You can have a godless authority in the land, but because they're there and God cares for people, God can inspire them to make right choices. You see, all I'm trying to say is that you and I need to recognize that divine authority is something that's very powerful and very beautiful. We mustn't shy away from it. Okay? It's not a sign of weakness submitting. It's a sign of great strength, actually. And as you and I learn to discern divine authority and to submit to it, when you and I operate, we'll have divine authority ourselves. Amen. And that's what God wants. That's what God wants. He wants his church operating in power. Not just a whole lot of people sprouting the words that everybody sprouts about, the anointing, blah, 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 and this and that, and going around a whole lot of flap. But when they pray, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And that's got to change. How does it change? By understanding something. In a rebellious society, we need to turn away from that rebellion and recognize divine authority and submit to it. And like that centurion, that man from the other side of the track, spiritually, so to speak, was able to tap into God's power. And the other examples of it as well, the Syrophoenician woman, many others, they tapped into who he was and his authority. And because they prepared to submit to that authority, even though it cost them something, from a natural point of view, by submitting to that authority, the authority structure of God, God's power was able to flow and bring the blessing that God wants his people to have. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I pray that we'll grasp it with both hands, Lord. May we be a people that are easy to work with by you, Holy Spirit, that we are pliable clay in your hands. We know that you've put into this world divine structure, Lord. Help us to recognize that structure. Realize there is a system, a spiritual system out there. Help us to recognize that system, to tap into that system, Lord, so that you can let your power flow through us, Lord, knowing that we'll achieve the purposes of God. We thank you for this in your mighty name. Amen. Praise be to God.